This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of the Grit Per 60 podcast, Jets Grit Per 60 podcast. My name is Connor Farrell. You can call me TC, and this is the Montreal edition. I am joined from... <laughs> I messed that one up. I am joined from Jacksonville. Hey, everyone. It's Brendan, also known as CCJ. Uh, you don't need to be this dramatic. From the Ocala Gazette. That's what no. I was trying to think of. Anyway, so we have a couple friends with us because we wanted to do this uh, sort of thing where we're pretty sure we're all going to be stuck in the same division with you know the, all the Canadian teams. So uh, we've got our friends here from Habs Nightly, uh, Bayou Benders and Mason Dixon. Hello. Hey, boys. Uh, great intro. I loved it. I loved it. It was really, I, was, I felt like it was, a, oh, I was, I was in a lineup. I was getting called out. So kudos boys. It was really I well totally planned it. it's, it's usually a lot smoother <laughs> than that. It's all right. Last time I talked over him. So I was like trying to like wait for him this time to like, just get through. Well, it. And then, then my brain just glitched. You boys how, did a great job. On? We're good. Uh, Mason, where you at bud? Told you I'm up here freezing my balls off and you guys there are all is. talking about the southern sun and how nice it is down there and Dude, we I'm got a little envious to be like, honest. I think the high today was like 55 degrees Fahrenheit. Don't, don't say that in front of him. He's going to make fun of you. It, it was minus 10 today. <laughs> so that's what, 45 for us? My favorite thing whenever we bring on uh, Canadian people is it, like the first thing we had Brandon Ruwicki on, like the first thing he talked about was the weather here in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> and now this isn't back to back episodes, is it? No, no, no. Cause we were too busy talking about cannons and outdoor games. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. We were saying the, um, if the NHL goes to outdoor games for home games for certain teams, the Lightning should absolutely host uh, Columbus because then Columbus can bring their cannons and the Lightning can play in the uh, the Buccaneer Stadium and they can have their cannons. And that'd be sick. Not gonna lie. One thing about PTSD Columbus that every fucking time I hear cannons. Those cannons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we got fucking like it was either was it was it, ten, last times. Year? ten it was times, ten times got demolished. Yeah. Didn't they bring the cannon to the bubble or? or oh, I, don't think I wish. So. I don't remember that. We would have to ask Frank that. Frank would know. I feel like if anything, they probably just had like a recording of it, which is nowhere near as fun. Yeah, if you're going to do cannon, you got to have the thing. You can't do like, recording. Yeah, but that's also like part of their goal song. Yeah. Like nothing nothing beats like if, if, if someone brings up that cannon, like I immediately think of like Johnny Gaudreau, like, 
getting scared shitless. Like when them like the test try during warmups, like that loop lives rent free in my mind. I've heard it's like an initiation for like rookie sports writers who go to Columbus for their first time. And oh, that'd be amazing. They're, they're just not expecting it. Meanwhile, the, like the Columbus <laughs> guys are just watching them, like you know, shit their brains out. You know. So, Canadians, how are you, you guys feeling about them? them? Uh, Corey, you want to go first? Fucking right. Um, so first off, let's just let's just say like that cool front does feel really nice, boys. Um, I'm not sweating anymore, so that's really nice. I know that it's gonna dig into Mason's skin. I'd wear he can't sleeve. feel himself. Um, but yeah, no, you know, um, if you talk to us before the, the bubble, we would have say this team needed a lot of work and we didn't know what was going to be the future. And then you talk to us after game five of against the penguins, like this team feels like they they're in the right direction and they're finally got the pieces, right. Um, I'm excited to see a bunch of very young players, you know, on this team next season and. Two great acquisitions, and I think I think we're going to be a solid club. And I know that Mason Mason got to watch a little bit more than I did this year, but um, I think we're both very happy about the future of this team. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with Corey. Um, I think we're. I think the overall sentiment of Habs fans is just excitement. You know, we got a bunch of additions. Our young guys, two main young guys, you know, performed really well in the playoffs. We got our star prospect coming over to play with us this year. It's a good time to be a Habs fan, that's for sure. I feel like the the Habs are sort of the trendy pick right now to win a theoretical Canadian division. Because, I mean, let's be honest, like, it's pretty up in the air. Like, pretty much everyone and anyone besides Ottawa can win it this year. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> You're going to look at me and tell me that I'm wrong? No, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm going to look at your, your actual face. Sorry, you have to look at a picture of myself. But no, I'm looking at your actual face. There's no lie on there. Um, I think besides uh, Carey Price, and that's me just being home biased, I think Connor Hellbuck is the greatest fucking goalie in the league right now. So, I Damn mean, right. three years in a row, I win fantasy, and I got this dude on the team. You know, there's a connection, you know. I think it's the Winnipeg's fucking net mine. <laughs> My favorite thing about uh, where people rank Connor Hellbuck in the league is when an NHL network does their list. And they're like, yeah, so our top goalie is Andre Vasilevsky. And I'm like, oh. you just sorted by wins. It's frustrating. It's like, oh, the Vezina Trophy winner isn't the best goalie in the league? Well, actually, we uh, we ended up talking about that as well because uh, we brought it up, obviously. Carey Price was on the list as well. But I had a big problem with how they, they talked about my boy, Connor Hellbuck because he was like fourth or fifth and I'm thinking how can he be so low yeah you're gonna put you know your your favorite child you know Tampa Bay um but why not Connor Hellbuck who had a team that literally you know there was so much movement especially like y'all defensive core just leaves you got one dude who's just fucking ice fishing he's just would never see him again probably but Connor Hellbuck like holds his own like why is he not at least second? That was my whole theory is like, why is this guy not second after like just playing in a phenomenal year, even though it's shortened? Like if it wasn't shortened, he probably had the fucking, like there was, there was no chance anybody would have been better than him. If Asileski sits at the ass end of the goal and shit just doesn't come to him. Like, yeah, you can be amazing if the entire team around you is like the fucking Globetrotters. I mean, NHL network 
lists are kind of a joke anyway. I think you got to take them with a grain of salt. Oh, it's like ESPN. There's this isn't uh, Jets or Canadian division related at, at all, but there is a theory that the NHL network makes their list specifically to make Flyers fans mad because they know if the Flyers fans will be super vocal about it and share it around. <laughs> well, after the Flyers defeat for us this year, I, I can feel it. Um, I didn't want any, <laughs> I didn't want any Flyer fan to be happy. But... All right. When are Flyers fans <laughs> ever happy? Never. I just don't think Philadelphia's fans period are happy. You can win a, you can win like the, whatever team you like could win the entire season. Look at the fucking Eagles. Look at the Phillies. They could win. They'll burn down their fucking city. And then the next year, like one dude sneezes and it's back to being a garbage fucking team. But have you seen the Eagles? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this shit, they're pretty shit. Like, (laughs) I think all the money the Phillies spend, they should be maybe a little bit better true there's a there's a lot of reason to hate you know but like if if we're talking strictly flyers like they should be excited that they got carter hart so i would oh yeah bitch about anything you know i'd be mad about kevin hayes's seven million dollar contract just to be the fucking team's keith yandel like but he was very important for that team like he's not their best player but he filled a hole and did it well and more or less paid for that contract also he's gritty's best friend so he is gritty's best you gotta keep that in mind that is a very important role to fill yeah (laughs) so uh, i want your guys's takes on uh on the jets here um well if you guys had listened to like episode 65 of of habs nightly when uh, there was rumors about Patrick Laine, I was not fucking happy. I didn't want Patrick Laine. Um, it was it was it was a tough topic between me and Mason. I think he's a great player, but he scares the fuck out of me. It's it's more of like an emotional like. I just don't know what 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 version we're gonna get from him. Connor Hellbuck is like one of my favorite players in the fucking league, so it's like I'm more like sixty forty with this team. I love him still. Um, but I just feel so bad that like a lot of key players on y'all's defense uh, ended up moving away um, because despite my love for Nashville, Nashville versus Winnipeg two years in a row was some of the greatest hockey I've seen for at least Southern hockey, you know? So it made me hate y'all so much, but like, I was like, without y'all being so good, like this wouldn't be a, this wouldn't be a great series. So you know, it's like us hating Boston. You know, Mason said he kicked me off the podcast if I wore my uh, my Pasternak jersey, which he'll never see, which I don't own yet, Mason. Calm down. But, you know, it's the same type of thing. Like, without you guys, the Central Division isn't as good, and Nashville wouldn't have had such a great fucking two years, two, seat, two series against y'all. I mean, I think I'd say underrated if I describe Winnipeg's roster. I think uh, a lot of people point to the defense about how you guys lost, you know, obviously Bufflin. Thanks. Guy like Tyler Myers. Um, but, like, I think a lot of people don't notice, like, I think, was it Pionk had, like, a 40-point season this year? Yeah, Pionk is a uh, 
Pionk is a total pylon at like five on five, but he's a power play god. It's very weird. Yeah, and he's like he's like twenty what like twenty three. It's like twenty three, twenty four. Yeah, he's like super young. Like I think him and Josh Morrissey are going to be catalysts for that team in the future. I think outside of those two, like I wouldn't really rely on Lucas Pisa, even though he's the Italian no. stallion himself. But uh, if you guys can, you know, shore up your defense, like you've got offense and, you know, like Corey said, I'm not a big fan of Patrick, Patrick Line personally. I don't like the way he's kind of <laughs> like what happened this year, but he puts up points and he scores goals. So, and you guys have got guys like Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley to go into the future with Blake Wheeler still only 33. I don't think I'd be surprised if Winnipeg somehow finished like top three. I don't think that's surprising when you have a goalie like Hellbuck with the offensive talent that they have. I think this team could go far. Yeah. I mean like that, that forward group is nasty, but the defense is nasty for entirely (laughs) wrong reasons. Yeah. (laughs) But it's not as bad as people portray it to be. No, it's bad. (laughs) You really, you guys think it's that bad? bad. It's, it's bad. The defense is terrible. (laughs) <laughs> the uh the red wings had a better expected goals for percentage than the jets did last year and the red wings were historically bad historically bad Very maybe bad. one of the worst hockey teams in the salary cap era like I'd, I'd say other teams were taking shots right in front of hellebuck um but they were actually taking shots like in his crease so <laughs> My my favorite is like when you see like a heat map of like where opposing teams were taking their shots from, they're all just like right in front of the crease. Like it's just this giant red blob. Right. And that blue paint is invisible because it's a red blob. Do you think part of that is just, is it just all defense or is it partially because you guys don't really have a two way forward either? Well, Nick Ellers is probably that two way forward for us. Well, but but Nick Ellers is a two way forward, I think mostly because the team has, has the puck right. when he's on the ice. Like he's not, he's not necessarily taking the puck that often. That's that fair. But like Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor were. Oh yeah. Awful defensively last year. Just yeah, like so the, the best forwards, like the ones that you, you named uh, Blake Wheeler, Shifley line, a, like they're not really going to take the puck off anybody and they're not going to defend too much. Um, Maybe Shifley has taken a step back defensively in the last couple of years. Um, so I think that's probably got a part of it. I wonder, too, if it's a part of the way Paul Maurice, like the, the system he's trying to run, which I'm still not entirely sure what it is, but it seems very north-south um, and less like not very like, possession-based, I guess, if that well, makes sense. You're one of the youngest teams in the league, too, are you not? Like, Mark Shifley is one of your only guys over over 30 on the team, at least for forwards. Like, I wonder if that has something to do with it. You know, young guys like to play offense most of the time, and you get that defensive responsibility with veterans. So maybe if you inserted some veteran players into, like, the bottom six, you'd get more of that two-way forward. But I, I can't maybe. lie, I didn't see a lot of Winnipeg games. Brennan, how old is Dylan DeMello? That was like, I think, 27, 28. Okay. I think he's, yeah. So DeMello, maybe you want to count Morrissey as a veteran. Pionk, probably. No, well, Pionk's not that old. Pionk's, I double check. Pionk's 25. I mean, it's enough to, it's enough to stop being called like a youngster to me. Okay. Like 25 is about your prime. 
Well, as you guys were saying about how like some of these these higher guys like trifling that might have fallen back on like they could have had a, a more defensive role to just to help out the team. I feel like may, could that be just based on like they didn't really have to worry about uh, defensive uh, possession or, or helping out the defense when you guys had one of the greatest defenses in the league, you know, for four years in a row. It just like now it's kind of, you know, you've lost so many key pieces that it kind of shown that your high end, um, you know, of un- offensive guys just did not produce when helping, you know, defensively. It's just maybe y'all just didn't have, you know, everybody that y'all lost defensively to kind of help, you know, help weigh it out. Yeah, but I feel like part of the problem is not that the Jets have lost so many pieces since like that run in 2018 but that their replacements have been just as bad, if not worse, right? Like Tyler Myers really isn't that good. And that contract is horrible, but they didn't really replace him with anything either. And so when you do that, no, with, they replaced him with Lucas Sabiza. You forget this. Yeah. I was going to say that when you do that with half of your defense, you're left with Josh Morrissey and a bunch of dudes. Right. Yeah. And I feel like that's got to be tough. What do you um, guys think of the Dustin Buffalo thing? I mean, it's kind of hard to hate on Dustin Bufflin for, you know, everything yeah. he did with the team. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not great timing, of course. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't like, I think it really put the team in a bind when he just didn't make a decision. Like right. forever. And then he, I mean, even like at the trade deadline, we're looking for something. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think they're... that's probably the biggest thing is that's a lot of cap that they just, couldn't use i mean hockey is a tough game you know when guys are just like yeah hey it's time for me to call it quits like i'm not going to be mad about that yeah but I, like you said i don't think he did the team any justice by kind of stringing them along and there's he apparently he's still thinking about but like you know he's retired but still <laughs> kind of stringing them along saying he might come back i guess that's what i've seen on twitter and stuff so I was just curious if there's any resentment among like the Jets fan base for that. Oh, there definitely is, I'm sure, among Jets fans. I mean, but again, you, you look at everything you did for the team. I mean, it's kind of hard to be like that mad about it. Okay. So we talked a lot about the Jets. Um, let's talk about the Habs. Personally, um, I'm not really sure where the Habs fit into everything. Like, are they a contender this year? Are they trying to contend? Are they somewhere in the middle? I don't know. I think we've reached the point in uh, Bergevin's master plan, because he's a scheming little bastard, that he's finally starting to like want to compete. Uh, I think with the additions he added, a guy like Tyler Toffoli, Josh Anderson, um, Joel Edmondson, adding the backup goalie and Jake Allen, who I think is going to be a phenomenal backup and really he's really going to help out Carey Price. Uh, this is a team I think that is one of the better constructed for the playoffs, at least in Canada, um, a lot better than a leader. And like everyone thinks the Leafs are going to win. I think Montreal's constructed for a better playoff push than they are. So I think if you kind of look at the roster, there's a good mix of veterans like Tatar, Weber, and Price, and young guys like Suzuki, you know, uh, KK, et cetera, that I think this is a team that is looking to compete. 
as long as Carey Price is on the roster, you're going to see Bergeron from this year forward try to make the playoffs, try to win. I think the Canadians organization feels they owe him one, and I really believe they do. So I expect Montreal to compete this year. Yeah, I mean, I was just looking at the Montreal Canadiens' lineup, and I feel like just looking at it, there's a lot of depth, but I'm questionable about the high-end talent. No, and I think that's a fair question. I think this is a team that's relying on Nick Suzuki, especially, and Kakaniemi to really step up their game. I think Philip Deneau is a great second-line defensive center, but Montreal doesn't have a star player, and that's been it's been that way for a while. We've had Carey Price, but a goalie can't win you a championship by himself, as you guys know with Hellbook, right? Like You need top-end talent on every part of the ice. Um, I don't know, like Montreal's not going to win the cup this year, but depend it, a lot rides on Nick Suzuki's shoulders as NKK's like how far they take a step forward will really impact how well Montreal does this year. I, I love all... the way Nick Suzuki plays. That was oh. the end of that. Thought. As, like, as do, as do I <laughs> just like, I just, that he has a very similar effect that I think um, when I watch, he has, and I'm not saying they're similar players, but he has a very similar effect that when I watch the game to um, Nick Ellers and that I'm just fascinated watching him play and watching the way he moves on the ice. Yeah, no, he's, he's creative too, but also really like very responsible defensively. He's one of those guys that, at least as a Habs fan, like we haven't really, we had it with Radulov for like a season. So that was fun. But one of those guys that you're like, oh shit, he might do something here. You know, he might yeah. create something out of nothing. So we haven't had that for a while. I think the last player who is other than Radulov that we really had was Kovalev, like that far, that far ago, right? We were like very excited to see what he was going to do. So Nick Suzuki has been a big breath of fresh air for us. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's, it's, it's kind of hard to like really compare him to a, to a player, you know, th- this season's going to be his real, his real chance to shine, but like, he's got like a Philip to know, like almost like a, a, a Bergeron play to him. He can be fascinating, you know, in front of net, but he can also make these, you know, these impossible or just like defying defensive recoveries or, or just, he just, he's like a two way player that is just at a pipe size level. That is just so bizarre to, to see. I just, I, I really was just excited to have this kid on the team. And then you get to see him for like what nine games during the bubble. And it was just like, now I own this kid's fucking Jersey. Like, <laughs> but uh, um, kind of like Mason, like, I guess the backpack on what he said earlier, like, I think this season is really like our, our chance, like it's our gambling year. Like we're going to play with the house's money a little bit. Like well, Bergevin has been picking apart this team and moving assets and bringing in people. This is like, I feel like this is truly going to be Mark Bergevin's team to, to prove what his, you know, his maniacal mad scientist plan was. And I think this is our first chance to see what we get. But, um, you know, also we had talks that, you know, we don't know where Bergevin will be if this is a bad season. So I think this this season really rides like we're, we're going all in to prove that this is a team that, you know, 
that is playoff caliber and we're getting back to that 2015 era Habs once again. Yeah, and uh, on the Nick Suzuki front, as a guy who primarily watches the Jets and the Sharks, I really I'm a Sharks hope... fan too, bud. Oh man, um, I really hope Nick Suzuki blows up and is like the greatest Canadian of all time, just to like stick it to Vegas. <laughs> I would love that. What I a like, trade! I like Suzuki because I was just fed up with. Um, look at me, already forgetting his name. Patch ready. Um, thank you. You know, that's that's how much aggravation I felt towards Pacioretty. And just maybe maybe I just carry a lot of hate because of Bergevin coming in and just moving the team around. But I feel like Pacioretty had his hand in the cookie jar um, a, a little bit with, with a lot of these moves. And then, you know, he, he was phenomenal for us. But when the captaincy took on, they, they had that stigma about playing in a Canadian a city and, you know, being a, a place like Montreal, like the, the media gets to you and the fans get to you. And I feel like Pacioretty's a, a, a phenomenal player. I'm, I'm happy he's doing good in Vegas. But I just think that he's not the player that that I think he's a player that could crumble under that. And I feel like that's what we saw. And I'm just so happy that in return, we got such a young stud. And I'm just happy to see this kid blossom in, in place of Pacioretty. Yeah, so I will say the one thing that I didn't really understand from – Montreal's offseason was the Max Domi Josh Anderson swap. <laughs> I thought that was very bad. <laughs> Including yeah. I mean, it's only made worse by that contract. That contract is really, really bad. I um I'm gonna take this one, Corey. That's fine. I'm just gonna fucking cry real quick. Corey <laughs> hate Corey hates this a lot more than I, I do. I'm gonna go um, open fuck another beer. Like this is terrible. <laughs> I actually um, wasn't too upset with the trade. I don't. I think that Bergeron overpaid. We didn't we, like. We didn't need to fucking add a pick. I thought that was stupid. But like, when you kind of look at the roster, Domi kind of just didn't fit. Like he was gonna leave anyway. He there's no room for him. We have um, we already have like a center crisis right now with what we're gonna do with Dano in a few years and what we're doing with KK and Suzuki. So trying to fit Domi in there just wasn't the, the puzzle pieces weren't going to fit. So I like that, you know, Bergeron was proactive and before there was a real problem decided I'm going to ship him while his value is high, but then he overpaid for Josh Anderson. And I actually don't mind gambling on Josh Anderson. I think this is a trade that really relies, like if Josh Anderson can come back and be healthy, I'll forget about this trade. I I mean, we overpaid a little bit, whatever. But if Josh Anderson doesn't do well and isn't healthy, then like Bergevin may have just, you know, written his own like job away. He may have signed his own death warrant. So I think that just proves that Bergevin's kind of going all in on the year. But I, I mean, I can't, I can't, I want to defend it, but it's kind of a we'll have to wait and see kind of deal, but Corey hates it a lot more than I do. See, my favorite thing about it is that it's a seven-year deal worth $38.5 It's five and a half a year. But after the first year, there is a no-trade clause. Like, the contract is the no-trade clause. Yeah, it's it's not, like I said... <laughs> It, it can either really pay off. Like if Josh Anderson comes out 
and he's scoring 30 goals a year and he's that big net front presence that Mark Bergeron thinks he's acquired. I'll be okay with the deal because he's not, he's how old, he's only like 25 or 26, right? Like he's not too old and they're a dying breed in the NHL. But like you said, if that contract, that contract could come back and bite us in the ass really quick. So I'm hesitant to praise it and I'm hesitant to shit on it too much. I guess that's sort of the thing that I had about Montreal's offseason was that I think they had a lot of cap space and they did a good job of freeing it up, but they spent it pretty poorly. I feel with that and Jake Allen and I don't know. I just wasn't much of a fan though. I was okay with Tyler Toffoli. I was actually pretty happy with Jake Allen because his contract this year sucks, but the following two seasons, we signed him to a, uh, I think it's two or $3 million extension, which is actually for what he is, which is a pretty high level backup. I'm not too upset with it. I think we can stomach it's Montreal. They can stomach, you know, paying that much for a goalie this year. We're not going to win this year, but the one I really had an issue with that you actually didn't mention was Joel Edmondson. That was my biggest yeah, that issue in the off season. Yeah. My thing with Jake Allen was just that, not so much the contract itself, just that you're also paying Carey Price ten and a half million, and so then throwing on another, even after this year, even another like three million on the goaltender position. It's like you have to spend money on other positions. You know, you can only, you can only play one goalie at a time. Yeah, definitely. But I think Montreal has like we have definitely experienced the other half of that. We've tried signing million dollar cap hit million point five dollar cap hit back of goalies for a long like quite a few years in a row now four or five and every year you see price plays like 65 70 games and then he's you know he's fucking 33 now he's he can't do it so we've seen it the other way so i'm not i'm okay with them trying the other way we put ourselves in a hole with price i think price is going to be one of the like especially with bobrovsky what we've seen in florida you're not going to see goalies handed out big contracts anymore because of this. But, you know, we've dug ourselves our own grave. So we've got to kind of lay it, you know, be there, kind of accept it. And we're going to have to ride it out with price because you're not moving that contract. I just think, I just think when we, when he signed that contract, he was playing to the T like deserving of it. And I still think he is. Um, but like you said, like they, we do need to sign, you know, like we need help and more than just a goalie situation. But for us, it's like we had to just kind of bite the bullet and spend that much more because regardless of what we would have spent, like we were going to be spending over, you know, over $12 million just on goalies. I think that it was the right decision to try to get one that could at least play if, if needed a, a better starter position for, for value that we could find out there because I feel like we are going to start to see the transition of taking Carey Price out of the net a little bit more, especially seeing how well he played with the break. Um, Because, I mean, face it, Carey Price is either going to retire here or he's going to get traded, and it's going to be very hard to trade Carey Price this late in his his career. Um, But if someone wants him, you know, I think we've talked about this before, we, he deserves to be moved to a team that can get him a cup. Like he's just, you know, we feel, we feel that, that, you know, he should end his career with a cup. You know, a lot of, a lot of guys don't get that, but I think we did a pretty, a pretty decent 
you know, job at picking up Jake Allen. I was personally trying to <laughs> trying to get us uh, Dallas's backup, who was just phenomenal in in the bubble this year. Um, that you know that didn't work, but um, I think I think Allen's going to do relatively well because I just think that um, I don't know. I think that if if we give Carey Price some breaks, I think Jake Allen will, will sit tight in net. He did it for a while in blue in the Blues organization. I don't think you know Tom was too happy with him, but for what he's worth, he did play uh, very averagely well. So we just needed someone to take a couple of days so Carey Price can hang out, you know, take a break. I feel like the Canadians are an interesting team to rip on every once in a while because I think I think that Mark Bergevin and um, Jim Benning are, are very similar in that I think they're bad GMs who very occasionally stumble ass backwards into something good. Mm, I disagree. I think Jim Benning is a phenomenal scout. He's great at drafting, but he's horrible at asset management. Mark Bergevin kind of doesn't deal with our drafting. That's more Trevor Timmons. Bergevin makes a lot of trades that everyone kind of questions and then they work out which is why I think a lot of fans have more faith in this Josh Anderson deal, even though on the surface it looks so bad. Because, you know, at the time we sent Pacioretty for Thomas Tatar, who looked fucking horrible, and now he leads our team in points. And we got Nick Suzuki. We sent Shea Weber for P.K. Subban. Subban is absolutely garbage in New Jersey now. We got Philip Deneau. Everybody in New Jersey Fleischer. is garbage. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've heard everybody and everything, but yes. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I think Bergevin is really like he makes these deals that everyone shits on and questions, and they oh they almost always pay out, with the exception of Sergachev. But we don't talk about that in Montreal. Yeah, we don't. Just everyone else fucking does. That was <laughs> so, a tough um, one. <laughs> I'm looking I'm looking at one really big difference between the Canadians and the Winnipeg Jets, and that's you guys have a top pair defensemen. Two top pair defensemen. Well, yeah. I meant you have a top pairing. Uh, oh. we, we, we talked we talked briefly about um Morrissey and, and Pionk and I, I wouldn't they're good. Or Morrissey and DeMello, either way. Um they're good, but I wouldn't want them on my top pair. If that makes sense, you guys have Shea Weber and Ben Trot. Yeah, and Jeff Petrie. And Jeff Petrie. Who's still underrated. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, just uh, looking, I'm just looking at the, this projected lineup, and he's on the second pairing. So I didn't mean to. Yeah, they, they don't play him with webs, but I, me and Corey have talked a lot. We think, I think a lot of house fans too, like he has been our best defenseman for the last year. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. He just, he just got such um I don't even I don't, I don't know how to say it. Like I, I really like He's a, Jeff Petrie and I've I've respected him a lot more before the playoffs and just the playoffs just kind of showed more of his offensive capabilities and, and clutch positions. But um, you know, they, they referred to them as the trident because, you know, you can swap one of them and the other one can come in at any time and still make a very powerful, you know, uh first line for defense. So I, I Ben Chirot next to Jeff Petrie, I think, is just as as admirable and and hard to play against as Shea Webb and, and Ben Chirot. So, or you know, vice versa with Shea Webb and Chirot. So, 
Well, Pichu just fits the game better, too, because he can skate. Weber's not, you know, Weber's still a great defenseman, but he's not exactly, he's never been accused of being quick, even in the early 2000s and, you know, like 2010s when he was an all-star, consistently Norris Trophy candidate kind of guy. And he's definitely not in the conversation for speedy defenseman now. One of the things I look for in a good hockey player, the ability to skate on ice. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, Shea, Shea Weber has been banged up, you know, and I, I think that like that kind of ties in with that, that fear of the Josh Anderson trade with the Max Domi is, you know, you, you, you're taking a, a relatively healthy player and sending him to Columbus and you, you're taking in a guy who's, who's quite questionable, can put up points, but it's definitely questionable injury-wise. I think that's what we went through with Shea Weber. I knew I threw a fucking fit when PK was traded for Shea. Even though I do like and respect Shea Weber, at the time it was it was a very hard you know pill to swallow. Even though Shea Weber was basically injured for the first two fucking years of his contract here, um, I, I truly think that it was the, you know we got the better of that of that um, of that trade. Um, but Shea Weber's getting old, just like Carey Price. I feel like that trident works because it allows Shea Weber to kind of take breaks a little bit more. He is one of the, you know, he does play a lot of ice time, but I think that Jeff Petrie is truthfully, if there could be an asterisk next to, next to anybody, it would be Jeff Petrie because I, I believe he plays just as much on the first line as uh, Shea Weber or Ben Sherratt. I think it's just, you know, more or less trying to give Shea Weber a break or Sharada break, but I really think it, it, it leans more on Weber. That way he's not as, you know, he doesn't get as, as banged up throughout the season. And then I think the last thing I had, um, unless you have anything else, Connor, was that I want your predictions on how the Canadian division is going to end up. Uh, I think the Leafs are going to win. They're a regular season team. Like, I don't think anyone's ever accused them of being bad in the regular season. But, you know, they're going to fold in the first round because they're the Leafs and – the only team that chokes more than them is Buffalo. It's an annual and, tradition at this point. Yeah, it really is. Uh, I see that. That's a that's a hard question. I think, like you said before, any team other than Ottawa has a chance of finishing as high as second. I think um, teams that are going to make the playoffs. I think Montreal. I do think Winnipeg is going to get in. I don't think Hellebuck is going to allow them to fall out of a playoff spot. Calgary, is it is it three or four that make it? Is it four? I'm not really sure. I don't know the details on that yet. I'm not sure. Let's just shoot with four, because yeah. I feel like there's going to be four de- at least decent teams in the league or in the division. Yeah, and it'll be, I'd say, Edmonton or Van after that. Uh, I think Vancouver could easily slip out, though, because – you know, Calgary kind of stole their team. So we'll see. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, yeah, sorry, keep going. No, no, I'm pretty much done. Okay, sorry about that. But Vancouver's an interesting team to me because they lost a lot of pieces. And I don't know, I'm just not sure about that. And if a team like Winnipeg has another great effort from Connor Hellebuck and if Paul Stastny is the second line center that Winnipeg has been wanting for years. And, you know, some of the young guys, especially on defense, take a step forward, right? Like there are definitely paths for a team like Winnipeg to, to kind of get into like that top half. Yeah. And 
like I was saying before, I think the, the what Vancouver's offseason was a perfect example of Benning's inability to manage assets. He allowed Markstrom to walk. He, you know, it's bad enough that you have players, you know, walking away in free agency, like Tanev, um, Toffoli, but now they're all going to be in his division. It's just <laughs> like you can't, you can't fuck up more than he did this off season. Corey, what about you? Oh, uh, this is a little tough. I, 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 I think, I think that Toronto is going to go somewhere. I don't, I don't want them to. Uh, I don't want them to finish first. I think that, I think that Vancouver is going to be more than just a sleeper pick. Uh, that Mason was talking about. I just think that their goalie tandem definitely got an upgrade. I did like Marky there. Um, they did lose some key ple- pieces to Calgary, but Calgary is just kind of all over the fucking place right now. Um, I truthfully think that if the Oilers can fucking can can lean heavily on a better fucking goaltending situation, that they'd have a better shot. But um, I truthfully think uh, Vancouver is going to be the top in the Canadian dish, division this year. But if I had to pick four, you know, I'm, I'm going to be biased. I'm going to say Montreal is going to be there. I think Toronto, um, Vancouver would be my top. And why not? I love Connor Hellbuck. I'll, I'll throw you guys in the fucking mix. I don't think uh, shit. That means the Oilers are out. Let's take Toronto out. Fuck it. So <laughs> you're taking Toronto out. Yeah, because why not? I don't. I don't want to support what, them. What in kind any, of shit any are you guys way. smoking down there in New Orleans? I don't have to. I don't. This. I'm not. You know, an analytic genius. You know, I'm from a southern state, and a lot yeah, of you people have eyes, think don't I'm you? stupid. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but I mean, come on now. <laughs> like. I can I this this really isn't like set in the stone. analytics versus the eye test here. This isn't set in stone, boys. Like, <laughs> it doesn't matter what I say about Toronto; they fucking suck. But they're a great team, you know. But they'll do they'll be just like Chicago in a couple of years. Um, fuck, I don't know. I still think Vancouver's top. You'll say Vancouver, Toronto, fucking Montreal, Winnipeg. Full Oilers route if that makes Mason happy. Yeah, I think I was like, hey, we're finally out of the Central Division for once, right? Because like that division is such a gong show every year. And then and then <laughs> I'm looking the at it. Division. And I'm looking, I'm like, shit, we have like six good teams in this dumb division again. Right? Like there are a lot of I mean, there's not really like a clear leader in the in a supposed Canadian division. No. Uh, but I, d- I oh sorry. Uh, it's it's just there are a lot of teams that are you're like yeah, I could see them in a playoff spot. I think so, too, like they're yeah, all amazing. built with the exception of the Leafs. Sorry, Cray. They're all built to have some really good playoff series too. Like oh, I say with the exception of the Leafs, because I don't think Wayne Simmons and a 42 year old Joe Thornton are really what they needed to get over that hump. Hey, Joe but Thornton is ageless. Joe, is Joe, Thornton's a, Joe Thornton's a, a, a man's man. I love Joe Thornton, but where does he truthfully fit on that fucking team? Other than like fourth just line being God. the fourth line oh, guy, like just literally there just to boost a locker room presence. Like I don't see what he's going to do than other than whip the $40 million wasted on fucking four guys, you know, a year to fucking tell them that they're not doing as good as they fucking should. Listen, that five-dimensional uh, playmaking vision 
is <laughs> ageless. I Joe love Thorne, Joe Thorne. Joe Thorne will be <laughs> out there playing in an alumni game at the age of like 55, and he'll still be like throwing like no look backhand passes to like Joe Pavelski or some shit. Yeah, but he's going to throw a no look backhand pass to a 30. 30- eight-year-old Wayne Simmons who is going to promptly <laughs> one-time the puck <laughs> over the net. Here's, here's what I'll say. Wayne Simmons' style of hockey definitely has an age to it. Joe Thornton's style <laughs> of hockey ages a lot more gracefully. The man yes. put up uh, like almost a point per game at like the age of 36. That still amazes me. Oh, he's phenomenal. I just don't think he's what the Leafs needed. Total beauty. But... I just... It, that guy's going to leave the NHL and he's going to go play in Sweden. He's just like another version of, of a Yarmir Yager, just the, you know, the passer friendly version of Yarmir Yager. He's not going to fucking quit playing. He's going to be that 90 year old guy that passed away this year from Canada. Like that dude well, is going to be on skates for the rest of his life. Fucking Patrick Marlowe is going to break Gertie Howe's game record here pretty soon too. He would have broken it. Had he not already, you know, had a lockout, or two lockouts knock out a season and a half's worth of games followed up by a pandemic that wiped out like a yeah. quarter of the, of a season's worth of games. He would have had it already. <laughs> I, that's a record I, I don't want to see broken, though. I just think it's... I mean, like, do you really want to see Gordy's record get broken? I don't know. It's, it's, it's a pretty mind-blowing record to have in the first place. I mean, Patrick Marlowe, like has basically never missed a game it's crazy i mean what he's shy what 50 something games it's it's i think it's even smaller than that i think he has it this year like regardless i think he only has to play like 20 games or something yeah pretty close it's it's really close but uh yeah you guys got anything else um i I, i'm I'm so stumped about fucking who to who to call in this fucking Canadian division. I mean, I feel like we might become a fucking wild card, you know, and, and that bothers me a bit. Like, <laughs> uh, I just got one. It's because uh, every other team is shitting on Line. What do you guys? We got to say about Line. I'm just curious because there was a lot of talk this off season, and it might just be quarantine talk. But is there any substance to that? I think he's, I mean, I think he's a really good player. Um, the, the big question is, will the Jets have room for him? Um, particularly since they already have so many wingers. Um, I just, right now, I don't know if there's really a match to make a trade for him. Like, the value that you're going to get out of a trade for him right now isn't necessarily what you, like, isn't, equal to what he gives you on the ice, if that makes sense. That's fair. Like, I think what you look to get from him is probably more than what teams are looking to give, I think partially because of the pandemic. Um, and it's just, it's hard to really find a trade that's not, well, this team is paying too much uh, or this team is not paying enough. And it's just like, where does that, and it, we, you try to play, you know, fit all the, the pieces together. And it's like, okay, we got to, each team is giving up 12 guys in this to make this even or make <laughs> this work. Um, well, so I think with line A, that just pure goal scoring ability and his age, like makes it very hard for me to just like give up on him. Like 
at this point, like Patrick Liney is who he is. Right. And I wish that they would maybe be more willing to give him more top line minutes or, you know, like that sort of thing. But I also feel like if you're looking at moving Patrick Line, I feel like you start moving dangerously towards the uh, Taylor Hall, Adam Larson territory. You know, like trades are difficult. Yeah, no, that's fair. I personally, I, I don't think I'd fucking move him. He's 21 years old coming like what one, two seasons off a 40 goal year at the age of 19. I don't think Patrick Line is done in Winnipeg, at least if not if I was GM. But if you were to trade him, like what what would you even want for him? Like you guys need defense, but no one really like like you said, you don't want a Adam Larson situation with Taylor Hall. Yeah, I mean it's it's difficult, especially like, you know, those sort of like one for ones sort of deals or you know, something like that. Like I'm just not really sure there's a perfect trade offer for that and if you don't have the right offer i don't think that's a move that the jets necessarily have to make and and i'll say this if the jets are looking to add defense i don't know if line a is necessarily the piece to move just because i'm i just there's something about moving forwards to get a defenseman that uh it's hard to take in (laughs) it's unsettling it's just because forwards i think are more valuable than defensemen in this league no i'd agree look at the like, uh look at know. who wins the heart every year you know, it's, it's always a forward like, all right we're giving up one of the you know one of the better forwards in the league for a top pairing defenseman i guess that's what the team needs but it's not i feel like that makes it harder to find a fit because you you have to hit on that defenseman can, I can understand that because it's like you're going to give up a guy who's well and capable of, of making or breaking a game, you know. Yeah. And you're going to take in a defenseman who you really have got to put all your money in to come and play with with any of your defensemen to make a pairing that is going to be stoppable to the point to, to counterbalance mm-hmm. the loss of goals and assists you're going to you, you were going to get from Patrick Line. I mean, it makes sense. It's I, I like what you're saying, like. I'd be a fucking set if one of my top, especially a young top defense, uh, top offensive player gets moved for a very stout defenseman. You know, like, I think that's just, it's a little crazy. Like imagine, imagine if he's on the sharks and he gets moved in the Eric Carlson trade, like that's fucking difficult. Like, yeah, you can swear up and down. You like Eric Carlson, but you're putting so much on the back of this one guy that he's got to play just godly with his with his d partner to counteract losing a guy who is capable of scoring multi goals a night to really change the you know the momentum of a game it's it's tough in the last 50 years in the nhl two defensemen have won the heart trophy bobby orr and chris pronger and one of them is bobby orr so there's no comparison (laughs) he's one of the best players of all time like i don't I totally agree with what you're saying. I think trading <laughs> trading one for one a forward for defenseman like that is a big fucking gamble. Go talk to yep. Buffalo. Go get go get Patrick Eichel. You know, Patrick Eichel. <laughs> Never mind. I fucked that up. <laughs> I'm Patrick Eichel. I was I was yeah, about just to, a good to, blend of them. 
I was about to piggyback off of what Mason just said, and that one of those defensemen is Bobby Orr, and the other one was on the cover of NHL Hits 2003. <laughs> oh, man. The other one can turn on fire, and the other one can't. Like that's, that's, that's the difference. But I guess getting back to what you're, you were um, saying about um, if you bring in this de- defenseman, he's got to play really well with his, his partner, and that just reminded me that I love the way line A plays when he's on the same line with Ellers. If you put a decent center, like they just brought in Stastny, I think that a Ellers-Stastny line A line could just tear apart the league. But maybe, and as a second line as well, I don't know if that's necessarily, you know, first versus second line there, but um, I, I'm, I would, I'm super excited to see how those three play together. Well, and just to add on to that with the Stastny thing, look how Pacioretty played in Vegas when he played with Stastny. I think Stastny's an under, like kind of an underrated center in this league. I don't think he's by any means a top line guy, but I think in that second line role, if you play him with Ehlers and Line, who are both yeah. much more talented than Pacioretty, like the results could be pretty fucking good. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing how Paul Stastny does in Winnipeg this year. I know he's kind of up there in age, but he's just a really good play driver, and like he's still like by far the best option in Winnipeg to to be in that second line center role. But uh, I think that's going to do it for us. Unless I have one more thing. Oh, you got one more thing? Okay, I have one more. Th- what do you sound surprised? Oh, you have an idea? I don't know. Um, and I have a I have a question for Bayou Benders over there. All right, move either Phoenix or the Panthers to New Orleans. What do you think? I'd move the Panthers at this point. I think Phoenix is really diving in, and and truthfully, I think the Phoenix gets a bump up. You got Paul Bissonette just really talking this place up like it's fucking God's country, and the poor, poor Florida like they did everything right to, to make this team successful. And it just seems like the fans don't give a flying fuck like, or they do, but they'd rather watch from home. Right. So I would, well, my, my, my question was really more of is new Orleans ready for an NHL team? Fuck. No. Uh, I think, I think we'd take any, any pro team down here, whether it's, we bring back the SPHL down here. Um, I think hockey would thrive really well down here because just like Florida, we get a lot of, of older people from the North coming down here. You know, they like the sunshine and, and all the shit that comes down here. They just miss their hockey. I think it, it would thrive once again. I think that when we did have a team down here, it was great, but we missed an opportunity because it was still a little young. I think that this, this new wave of, of younger, this younger crowd really loves hockey now or, or maybe just a little bit more open-minded to the game. I think it would thrive a lot better now. And, um, I think if we didn't pick up Zion Williamson, I think that my whole thing last year was fuck this team, move this team, and just bring in a team over here. Granted, I don't think NHL would have would have worked just because, like, you, we got to re-pitch what the fuck hockey is to more idiots that live down here, like me. You know, like the guy who's going to call fucking Jack Eichel – Patrick Eichel, you know, like, so we got to, we got to really kill it in. But like you give people just like in Florida, you give them an atmosphere to enjoy themselves and watch a sport. They'll love it, especially this sport. 
I think that it's just more appropriate nowadays to have it down here. Um, I don't know. I think we start with AHL and we like fucking Euro soccer. We just, we get so good. We move up to the NHL. I don't know what to tell you. I just, Um, I'd love, I'd love hockey to be back. I just really want a road trip where I can go load up on bourbon and beignets and then follow that up with a hockey game. Back in the day. Now, granted, I was like seven. I'm sure like my parents thought that was an amazing concept. I was just happy to, Hey, look, it's like the fucking mighty ducks, you know, it's in my (laughs) town. (laughs) And then afterwards jazz. Yeah. I just, I just really think that we're just such a unique spot that would just, that would do what Florida, like the poor Panthers just aren't doing in Florida. I think that we just have such a, though, it's they're like across the street from a mall. They're not in, they're not in like what you think of when you think of Miami, they're in the suburbs. Right. Yeah. I just, I just think like, uh, we're like the weird, I wouldn't say like a Southern Portland. We just have like just the uniqueness of the people down here and and the vibes and all that shit. It It would be a great place. It'd be so wonky to have a hockey team here. I just think that it's like, yeah, you could, legit finish out your hockey game and then guess what everything down here is open 24 7 like the the party doesn't end after the fucking game like you can go rally at a fucking any bar you know yeah so that's all i had brennan if you want to wrap up now a great cut great great question connor great job (laughs) (laughs) so uh anyway i guess first uh could we at least get a game in the superdome I don't see why not. I fucking work there, and when it's when the when the fake ass field's not there, I don't see why you couldn't do that. I mean, we played we played hockey in some shitty places, you know. Um, so I don't see why it couldn't be done. I think that'd be sick as fuck, dude. After the NHL stops, or after the NHL does all of their like Southern states outdoor games for some reason, they'll do. Winter Classic with a twist. We're moving back indoors. Yeah, um, right. But it's not. It's just, <laughs> it's just the most the most ass backward places you ever thought of. This place cannot hold ice, but we're gonna make it happen. Like, How many ways can we make the Winter Classic new again? That's what yeah. I'm telling you, Connor. Cowboy Stadium. Cowboy you know? Hey, Jerry would be all over it. Tell tell me, Jerry Jones would not want an event like the winter classic in jerry he'd fucking love it he'd have his face out on the ice where the logo would be (laughs) yeah just the winter classic logo is just fucking jerry's face winter classic no not on top of his face because he'd never allow that you know it would instead of being just the the iconic like words pushed together it'd be more of like an arch over his fucking head or something as he zooms in from his spaceship or wherever that was um, during the <laughs> NFL draft. I don't know if you guys saw that, but it was, it was the most like rich villain backdrop of all time. He's definitely like Dr. Evil, you know, like he's, he's getting up there. Um, but like, look, I have to go work in the arena tomorrow and when there's nobody there and I just sit there with my cousin and we just, you know, sad boy cry because we, we just look out and we're like, this would be the perfect place for hockey. Like there's every, there's so many teams that, that have converted their basketball arena to a, to a hockey arena as well. 
why can't we do it? We've done it before. The if I'm not mistaken, like we still have all the like we still have everything to do it here. All we would need is just the fucking presence of the fans. So it's just tough going in there to fill kegs for a, a team I don't give two fucks about in a league I really don't care about to just be like, damn, we really just don't have hockey because basketball is just a little bit more special in the South. I was in New Orleans in March, like a week before like shit went down. Oh man. You were like ground zero. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, That whole thing is a story for another time, but like the Superdome, I don't know. It it is very interesting in person. That place is massive. It looks like a spaceship too. Oh, absolutely. It, It scares the fuck out of me when we bring kegs to like the sixth and seventh level. Scares the absolute shit out of me. I took the um when I was on like the highway from like the airport to like downtown New Orleans. Like that thing is just massive. I don't know how else to describe it. It's very imposing on the uh, New Orleans skyline. There, there's like fucking four buildings in our skyline because of that thing. Like, <laughs> just takes up so much space. But uh, all right, so. Where can people uh, find your stuff at? Find it at Habs Nightly on Twitter. That's me. Find Corey at Bayou Benders on Twitter. And uh, I think Corey, has, you have a Instagram account as well by the same handle. Yeah, it's also Bayou Benders. Uh, I feel like Connor's got one loaded in the chamber. He's just waiting to, no, to say something. No, I was. I made a very awkward joke in the middle there, and um, <laughs> I'm trying to recover from that. <laughs> anyway, so you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Grit Per Sixty Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at bferrell seven two seven, and you can follow Connor on Twitter at tc underscore nine zero four. And don't forget to check out all of our friends at the Hockey Podcast Network, especially Habs Nightly. And yeah, uh, thank you for listening, and have a good one. Yeah, come have a talk with us. I'll butcher your fucking players' names. Hello and welcome. My name is Brad Lieb. I am a former professional hockey player, and this is the Life After Hockey podcast. This is the place where I'll be interviewing former players and exploring their life after hockey journeys, including their successes, challenges, and the causes that they are passionate about. So please join me on the Hockey Podcast Network every Saturday for new episodes and follow me on Twitter at Brad M. Lieb for all my podcast updates. And until then, keep going and enjoy your life. Let's go life after hockey, baby. (laughs) Woo!